Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at Menards. Check, check. Check, one, two. Check. Check, check. one, two. Check. 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 Huddle. Huddle, huddle, huddle. Check, one, two. Check, one, two. Check, one, two, three. I think we're good to go. Cool. Welcome to another episode of Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan. And we are in Columbus, Mississippi at the Sunstroke House. Hell yeah. And Sarah Shook and the Disomers just played a show. And we're here with Sarah Shook. So what's good? Everything's good, man. <laughs> that was a that was a great night. Yeah. And so just since y'all have kind of been touring, have y'all done a house venue like this? We have. It's been a little bit of a while since we've done a house venue, but it's always nice to kind of push yourself outside your comfort zone and do something that's like a little bit different and uh it was a really really good night and we had a really good time and uh everybody that was here was awesome yeah and so just talk a, a little bit about what's different where are you originally from where'd you grow up um i grew up all over the damn place uh <laughs> <laughs> i was born in rochester new york but i grew up in a very small town in western new york uh, mm-hmm. Moved to Raleigh, North Carolina when I was 10 mm-hmm. uh, and moved to Pennsylvania, moved back to New York, moved back to North Carolina. It was like a whole thing. And uh, my dad is from Lexington, North Carolina. My mom is from Washington, D.C. Yeah. There's a, there was a lot of motion growing up, just like moving place to place. I cheated a little bit. I read the review from Okra Magazine, just kind of coming up, just kind of music exposure. Just for those who don't know, like, coming up, what kind of music was you exposed to coming up? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Johann Sebastian Bach. Um, I was I was homeschooled all the way through and very sheltered. And uh, uh, the only music that I was allowed to listen to was, like, legitimate, like, praise music, worship music, and, uh, like, classical. Mm-hmm. And that, that was it. Even, like... At that time, like, where it made sense, like, jars of clay was too fucking racy for my parents. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> They're like, there's too much of a drum beat. Yeah. Like, and, and like, it's We a- need more just vocals, okay? <laughs> yes. Less yeah. of all this music. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. I get it. And so it was interesting, the monk, when he wrote that on the okra and, like, when the show was coming up. He was like, are you going to have Sarah on for the podcast? I was like, I don't know. I really hope so. <laughs> I haven't lied anything out yet. And he was like, one thing you have got to talk about is like that right there. Because like it is so incredible to hear like what she was exposed to so young and like where she's at now. You yeah. know, it's like, because how did you get there? Because you didn't know it was there. Totally. So were you cheating? Did you, did you cheat a little bit? Are you I mean, when, I... When, when did you learn about other kind of music? Because being so, I guess, sheltered, if that's the way to put it. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I was sheltered to the nth fucking degree. And I feel like, 
you know, my parents at that point in time were doing the best they could with what they had and what they knew. And like, totally like bless Mm -hmm. their hearts. It's like totally okay. No, no, like whatever. But I was not exposed to any, I mean, like it's still like to this day, like there, there's still moments in time that people I know will be like, how the hell do you not know about this band? They were, like, in- insanely popular when you were growing up. And I'm like, but I wasn't allowed to listen to that. I was listening yeah. to Vivaldi. I was yeah. listening to fucking Beethoven or, like, whatever popular praise worship music was right. going on at the time. Yeah. I think a lot of things happened in my life that I look back on, and I think that was a really important thing that added in some way to mm-hmm. where we're at now. And I feel like growing up only being able to listen to like worship praise music and classical music. And of course, I I chose to listen to classical music more. I feel like, sure. and like Vivaldi was my fucking boy, man. Like Vivaldi <laughs> was my boy. I was like, yeah. dude, this is this is where it's at. And it wasn't until, until years later, like doing research and realizing that like, he was so ahead of his time as well and mm-hmm. he was so like he was doing things with the people that believed in him enough to play with him that uh it it was still very very unconventional at that time and it was just like and he you know why it was unconventional is because he was doing it for poor people and he was trying to put something out there that the lower classes would feel something and like relate to that yes and that's so incredibly fucking powerful and meaningful and like that fucking means something to me personally like that means a lot to me a classical composer orchestrating stuff writing music to be like no this Mm -hmm. is not for the upper classes Mm -hmm. this is for the lower classes and i i want to give them something that they love and that they can hold on to and that they can feel like this is mine, you know? Yeah, I'm picking up what you're laying down. I know when I heard that you were coming to the Sunstroke House and beginning to pick up your music and kind of get to know you and hear the sound and kind of get a feel for what you you write for and what you write towards, I got a pretty good idea now, and I, I see where it comes from. And that addresses my other question. How did you, like, coming up, like, Missed all these years, 17, 18 years, and then boom, here we are. I, I don't know how you got there with that. And like, here you was like classical and just Christian music, and boom. Yep. I've always, that's so incredible. I've always written songs from the heart. So even when, when I. When did you start writing? I, I wrote my first song when I was nine. And so, what instruments have you always been playing? When did you start picking it up? My parents had a. Um, we lived in a very large house that had four, maybe five apartments like in it. We lived in an apartment and there was a, an upright piano in the hallway that was kind of just like a catch all, like, uh, like all the clutter paperwork, like whatever, like it wasn't really Mm -hmm. used and it was not like kept well, not kept in shape, Mm -hmm. um, not tuned for sure. But I was eight or nine years old, and I remember sitting down at it, and with with no um, with no vocabulary for music, with no um, like I did not have any lingo for music, mm-hmm. and I sat at that thing, and I was like, 
I can figure out what notes work together and what makes a beautiful melt. Like that was just in me. Like I it knew. It was in your brain. You just yes. had to get it to the fingertips. Yes, exactly, exactly. You just had to get it there. Exactly. I just, I was like, I can make, I, and I didn't know what notes I was playing. I didn't know what a chord was. I didn't know what a verse or a chorus was. I had mm-hmm. absolutely no language for what I was doing. It was just instinctive. And it was like, I know, I got this. Like, I know how to make these melodies pour out that are compelling and beautiful and powerful. And mm-hmm. that's, that is, you know, like I wasn't trying to do it for anyone else. It was like, for me, it was like an experiment. It was like always an experiment to find the thing that like sounded the best, like find the, the, uh, combination of notes Mm -hmm. that sounded good, that felt good, that I felt was solid. And I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I wrote my first song when I was eight or nine on that piano and, uh, I was What was the thoughts behind that like when you were playing it for the family? Um, I never played it for the family. <laughs> I was like, this is very this is very personal. This is very yeah. it's just like me and like I knew the piano was at a tune mm-hmm. without any experience. Yeah, yeah, like, like I still said, knew it was, it was like, just... oh, it's still dissonant. Like the mm-hmm. and like to this day I still have a huge fucking soft spot for dissonance. I love it. I love it. I love when an artist puts a song out where the a note is just a little, little bit off. off it's like a little bit off yeah. it's like i it's like you know like dissonance has a power in and of itself you know sure. um and when i was about 16 years old i'd been writing songs writing playing piano Are for we years still homeschooled at this time oh i yeah never never stopped being i never went to school okay yeah um and I didn't have any, like, I still didn't have any outside influence as far as music goes. I didn't know who popular artists were at the time, Mm -hmm. but... For better or worse, right? For better or worse, you know? I got no regrets, and, um, and so I was like, I need to, I need, like, I, I spent a lot of time outside for my whole childhood, for my teen years, and, uh, so I was like, I need to, like be able to write on on something when I'm outside, whatever. And mm-hmm. uh, so I started, I borrowed a guitar from a friend at church and started writing music outside. I love this so much because it's so crazy how technology changes things so quickly. And today you can like, you know, you can go on YouTube. There's like Fender uh, courses that you can take that are free. Yeah. There's, there are so many avenues that you can go down to teach yourself these things. Mm-hmm. At that age, at that time, I borrowed an acoustic guitar yeah, from a yeah. friend and I bought one of those giant know, like, posters with all the chords, with I'm, all the chords on them. <laughs> I, I have that same stinking poster, dude. <laughs> Check this out. Look, cause I'm from extremely rural Alabama, right? Mm-hmm. Internet, yeah, when everybody else had it high speed, I was still on that <laughs> dial up, dog. Yep. And so that wasn't a thing for us. Right. And so it was, if I wasn't learning from you, mm-hmm. well, I was learning from that poster that had all the chord charts popped yep. up. I know what you're talking about. And learning how to play yeah. guitar from a poster that you pinned to, literally physically pinned to mm-hmm. your wall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
that was it. And I was yeah. like, this is, it's, it's, it's like, I, I've been writing songs since I was nine. Um, I'm not a great singer. I'll never claim to be a great singer, but that's not what it's about. And the voice and the instrument are what like delivers the things that I'm feeling. And that's what matters. Like it, I mean, I, so many times, uh, something comes out like an Ooh. article or like we get a lot of fucking accolades and I'm so grateful for that. But there will always be like some voice of dissent that's just like, well, she can't sing. And like, I hate her voice and it makes me want to jump out of fucking six story window. And I'm like, dude, it's okay. Like yeah. you don't have to, it's okay. But the thing is yeah. like, I, I started playing guitar and doing these things so that my, my words could come out. Mm-hmm. And that's what matters. And like the things I have to say can come out. And like if you don't if you don't like my voice, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And I don't hold that against you yeah. at all. It's it it's opinion. It's your taste. It's your taste. Yeah. And like taste you don't is have important. To get it. Exactly. Yeah, it's okay. It's totally okay. I get it. I mean there's thousands of artists. You can like all of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like literally like no hard feelings at all. But I, I never set out to be a good guitarist. I never set out to be a good vocalist. I set out to pick up an instrument that was more mobile than piano. Mm-hmm. That I could sit outside in the sunshine on a fuck Like, literally sit... And that's hippie shit. Like, whatever. But, <laughs> like, I literally was like, I want to sit outside in the goddamn sunshine and be able to write a song. Like... My mm-hmm. my teen years, the majority of my teen years, I spent in a tree. That was like the place that I wanted to be. That's where I was fucking I was happy. Ask you, like, where did these sounds come from? My life, my fucking life. These songs, like, all fucking come from my life. Um, just uh, mistake after mistake, uh, habitual trying to it's like what is the definition of insanity repeating the same behavior and expecting different results that's it yeah right ain't that all of us yeah we're ain't we all insane that's us like it ain't just me it's like every time it's like i go back in i'm expecting something different but i'm Mm -hmm. doing the exact same thing yeah it's like how are you gonna get anything different from Mm -hmm. that you're Mm -hmm. not and here's the thing here's the thing that just like blows my mind so then you you like me as a person like i do that i go through all this stuff i repeat all the same behavior mm-hmm. i expect different results and then i get to this place where it's just like this is not fucking working for me it like it's it's like destroying me it's unhealthy it's toxic mm-hmm. like this person is very jealous controlling like whatever mm-hmm. and then you get to this place of freedom and then you realize that, like, every fucking song that I have ever fucking written about these things that is from my heart, that is straight from my heart, mm-hmm. like, without fucking question. It's like all these things, all these situations that made me feel so fucking alone and made me feel so fucking isolated. That's what all of us fucking go through. Because it's all, of, all of fucking heartbreak and all of fucking pain and, like... Being able to, at some point, finally, like, get the gumption up enough to be like, this person, I love them. Mm-hmm. I've got no hard feelings for them. 
but they're mm. toxic. They're like making my life miserable. Mm. And to be like, hey, I love you, but I gotta go. I gotta cut you out. And it hurts. And it hurts because I do love you and I do care about you and it, it's hard. But that's the right thing to do. And I... <laughs> that's kind of the same thing. I mean, it's, yeah. it's time and time again here on Porch Talk is getting in and getting different guests in. It's kind of that same gist is like, I had to, uh, I'm not trying to be narcissistic. I'm not trying to be just off-putting, but I had to be me and unapologetically be myself. And I had to stop worrying about what everybody else was thinking. And I had to stop letting them uh, hold me back or speak things into my life because they they were saying a whole lot of things. And I'm not saying that they were bad, but they didn't get it. Mm hmm that make any sense? It sure does. It's like so many times, everybody knows what's best for you, right? They <laughs> sure as hell feel like they do. And let me tell you <laughs> what, like that's, to me, that's a very important message to the feminist community as well. Because I'm a fucking feminist. Okay. I love women. I support women. I will fight for women every time. I will believe a woman every time over a dude when she's talking about molestation or rape Mm -hmm. or abuse in any form. But by the same fucking token, I'm not going to exclude the fact that there are dudes that are out there that are being abused emotionally or verbally or whatever. Mm. And it's a fine fucking line. It's a fine fucking line because within the context of our society and the context of our culture, if you're a straight white dude, you have the upper hand. And that's something that always has to be called into play when you're considering these things, when you're weighing these things mm-hmm. that always has to be fucking weighed. Sure. Um, and uh, I clearly have absolutely no space in my heart for abusers, uh, especially if you're a straight white dude that like already has the upper hand um you know i'll i'll uh i'll beat your ass um no (laughs) i will putting it Um, on the line like no 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 if my if my if my girl tells me just like hey i can't talk to any and this happens and it's i've been there i've been that woman i've been that woman and this is so fucking important about equality and empowerment okay so many dudes out there that are being abused and they're being hurt and they're being pushed down and I I recognize it and I'm not going to ever not recognize it I see it I get it but it those because of the position that you are in within the context of our society mm-hmm. it's a whole different thing okay that doesn't mean I won't support you I will support you because that shit does fucking happen but it's so important for dudes who who are American, white, straight, like, what the fuck ever. There's no judgment for me for that. And that's something I have a really hard time with about liberals. Okay. I have a really hard time with. Because they try to use that. They try to, like, weaponize that. And okay. it's like... They do. They do. And it's just like, dude, like, let us only talk about facts. 
let's just talk about facts, okay? Women abuse men not as much as men abuse women in the society, but it does happen. And we have to look at that. We can't just like we can't just say that that doesn't happen because we are only trying to focus on the abuse that women receive from men. Mm-hmm. And, here, and let me and be here v- lately it's been like the sexual abuse, but that's not the only type of abuse. Emotional and verbal mm-hmm. abuse mm-hmm. are incredibly fucking powerful and it plays a huge role on people it fucking does and let me let me like clarify this okay it is incredibly more damaging when a white straight male inflicts abuse on a woman than when a woman inflicts abuse on a male that is not to take away that is not to take away from the abuse inflicted on the male okay I would never do that. But the thing is, men, straight white men, have so much power, so much more power mm-hmm. and influence and presence than women do. And, like, this is the thing that, like, liberals are fucking up all the time. They're, they're, you, they're trying to use the same tactics that the other side is. And yeah. they're trying to be fear mongers. And they're trying to make people emotional. And it's like, you know what? Let's not be emotional about this. Let's look at the fucking facts. Mm -hmm. Okay? It is just as fucking wrong when a woman abuses a man as it is when a man abuses a woman emotionally. But you also have to take into account the fact that that person, if a man's abusing a woman emotionally... He is in a different position in the ranking system of our society mm-hmm. that has to be taken into consideration. By the same token, feminists are fucking it up, dude. We're fucking it up. It's like y'all need to look at more memes. Y'all need to, <laughs> y'all need to follow more fucking meme accounts. Like we have to like care, not care fucking like all of these like emotional (laughs) things like dude like no it's fucking important to just be like nobody's right we're all fucked up like all of us are fucked up touch okay if like a dude is seriously emotionally or verbally abusing you get out can all the women just like rally around that woman and be like fuck you dude no we're gonna call you out we're gonna bring you down whatever but it doesn't go that here, way. Here, here is the reason why it's a problem. Because those same feminists, and I am a fucking feminist, those same feminists aren't willing to rally around the dude whose woman is fucking verbally and emotionally abusing him. And that's important. It's important to be like, look, we are all fucking people. There are psychopaths sociopaths narcissists they're all fucking out there Mm. and like and they all have their target and they all have their Their target and the the target and the damage is a thing it's a thing that fucking happens nothing i'm saying is against women everything i'm saying is absolutely fucking pro women because we are the weaker demographic in the context of this fucking society but if you're going to be a fucking true fucking feminist you cannot 
disclude or, or, or ignore the fact that there are men out there that are being fucking abused. Yes, they're minority. Yes, it's it's more to me in my brain in my mind. It's more important that the majority of people realize that like women are at a disadvantage, and we are societally within the context of the goddamn music industry, dude. We are at such a fucking disadvantage, and you know what? That's it is what it is. That's wild. But I, I don't know what the inside looks like. Yeah. I don't. I don't it's know. Weird. What, I, it's weird. It's. It has to be a weird thing. I don't know. It's okay. And like to go back to like the, to where you're originally from. I was born in Rochester, New York. Rochester, New York. Um, at St. Mary's Hospital. Uh, my dad is from Lexington, North Carolina. He is. Uh, I think I'm. I think I'm like seven or eight generations back, in Mecklenburg County. My mom was born in Washington, D.C., um, and had to move around a bunch because yeah. her dad was, like, a known forger wanted from the FBI. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm sitting here trying to piece all this together. Yeah. I was like, man. It's like, so when did all this start taking place? Like, with, with your music, when you started touring, and it's like seeing all this because... For the most part, sheltered, right? Dude. And I'm, when when you came out the shelter, I mean, like, when did, was it immediately like, what? What no. is this? I, I'll tell you this story, bro. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll break it on you out. You gotta hand me that whiskey, brother. Yeah, we'll do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna hand it right back to you, man. Um, so, yeah, so my, uh, my parents moved to Garner, North Carolina, uh, 2009, shit, it was longer than that, but I did not, I've, I've, I've never had ambition I've never wanted to make any kind of go of making music professionally. So how did that start for you? The way that started was my guitarist, Eric Peterson, who has been with me for uh, the first show we played was Halloween, Halloween night of uh, 2019. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, like, obviously, like, we, we, like, practiced together before that, whatnot. Um, How long ago was that? Like, 2015, 2016? What are you talking? 2010? Lord of mercy, way. Yeah, way yeah, it's that. it's been a long time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it had been going on that long. Yeah, so, like, let me try to make the long story short. Um, you don't have to. It's a podcast. For <laughs> as long as you want to go. Right? Hell yeah, brother. This is your show. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. All right. Flat out, straight up fucking truth. I started writing songs when I was nine. In my late teens. 
And like, I mean, at nine years old, homeschooled all the way fucking through, my only point of reference was super religious stuff, right? So go through all this shit. Uh, get- I want you to send me your best religious songs. <laughs> my best what? I want you to send me your best religious songs. I don't have any of them. You didn't, lay, you didn't lay them tracks uh, down? Uh, and I'm glad I don't, because fuck religion, man. <laughs> okay, then. Fuck that shit. No. Uh, okay. No. People, people, people are my religion. No. You're my fucking religion, dude. You're my church. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, let's go on. No. Uh... Yeah, no, people are my fucking church, man. Um, I was 22, yeah, I was 22 when um, I went through, I was raised so classically Christian, homeschooled all the way through, mm-hmm. had no other input or like any kind of like outside way of like viewing things and I you know like I had my doubts like I had my moments that I was Mm -hmm. like yeah I don't these things don't make sense together like you can't have this level of love that's being preached with this level of judgment and rules that's being preached it's how do we do this? Like, come on. Um, I think I was, um, most importantly to me, I was 19 years old when I came out to my parents as bisexual. And my dad almost had a fucking heart attack. I imagine so, right? And it was, it was a beautiful and also sad moment. And I got home. I don't remember, like, what I was doing. But I got home, and I was walking past my dad's office, and he swiveled around in his fucking office chair. And he was like, Sarah? I was like, yeah, I knew you were going to call me out for some shit today. What you doing? Like, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what's up? Come on, Dad. Give me your worst. And he's like, yeah, I know that you've been sneaking out at night and having sex and I was like yeah okay whatever dude yes I have I'm not gonna I'm sick of I'm sick of like sneaking around like fine I've been having sex it's so stupid that that there's a stigma around that and he's like okay and he like looked off in the corner for a second and then he he like turned fucking white as a sheet and he looked at me and goes are you having sex with women too and i was like yeah he almost had a fucking heart attack he clutched his fucking heart and fell out of his chair and you know what i love my dad and you know what else my dad has come a long way since that interaction whatever but like let me tell you Something that is so fucking near and dear to my heart is that sexual pleasure is not taboo. It's okay. And it doesn't fucking matter in, like, our whole fucking society that is built on this goddamn, like, monogamous shit. It's just like, no, 
do you love someone? Good. You should want that one to feel all of the pleasure that they can fucking experience okay. in their life. That is what that is what love is. And fuck religion because religion is so um, limiting. It's so limiting. That's Dave Chappelle. Half baked. Um, here's um, just a couple of thoughts I had as I was like editing the episode. I think that love is a choice. And it is a choice that we make daily. And the people that we choose to love on that daily basis, they also have to make that same choice. That it is something to be reciprocated. And when one fails to make the choice, then the other begins to try to pick up slack and it's overwhelming. But not to go off on that, but with love... And I think there's there's a lot of confusion about the terminology. The English language is extremely weak when it comes to defining words like that because it could be talking about a passion. It could be talking about desire. Um, but we're talking about, uh, are we talking rom- romantic? Are we talking about brotherly? You see what I'm saying? It, it can be really convoluted. And so with the way that we love and who we love is... Um, Reciprocation has to take place. I think it you can't pre- you can't spread yourself too thin with it. I think there's only so much that uh, there's only so much on the table to give, and it's almost as much that has been given in that regard. But to take the conversation back to music, let's go there. Beep. I'm gonna tell you something that I've never said before that I think is fucking important and it's difficult for me when I stand in front of a fucking audience because I know how fucking shit goes in the context of our society Um, and by that society what do you mean by that I mean the way that things fucking go and I know every fucking time I stand on a stage and I look out at an audience that I have compassion, empathy, and love for every single person in that fucking audience. I know that some of those people that I have empathy and compassion for are abusers. And I know that there are people on the other side of that spectrum that are receiving that abuse. And I fucking know that. And it is so fucking hard for me every fucking night to look up I know this I live this and these are the people that are attracted to my fucking lyrics for a reason like it's for a fucking reason Mm -hmm. and I see that fucking shit and it's everything that I can fucking do to be like look he's a piece of shit leave him she's a piece of shit leave her she's abusing you he's abusing you leave you like like whatever like that is very fucking real and it's very fucking solid and like abuse does not have a gender straight straight white males in the context of our society have the fucking upper hand and there's no doubt about it about that like even kind of but that does not discount the fact that like women abuse men as well these are things that you I I always, like, keep in mind. I always... Because to me, it's like, it doesn't matter who is doing the abusing. 
when someone's abused, I'm on their fucking side. No matter what. It doesn't matter what fucking gender you are. If it's a woman who's being abused by a man, I'm on your side. Mm -hmm. If it's a dude that's being abused by a woman emotionally, verbally, physically, whatever, I'm on your side. Mm -hmm. I'm always going to be on the side of the person who is disadvantaged the most. Mm -hmm. And... This is, like, the last, like, six months of loving people, talking with people, listening to people, all of these things. Mm. All of these things. Listening to people and their their fucking narrative. Mm. Listening to their narrative. And being like, yes, everything that you're fucking saying is absolutely as valid as everything that I've been through and and that's what fucking matters that's what fucking matters you know like my my experiences my life like the things that have happened to me the the things that I have lived through and to be perfectly honest with you like still haven't worked through all of your things are every fucking bit as legitimate as my things that is where like humanity fucking comes yeah. into play. Yeah, you and me are just people, right? We're just people. Just we are person, we right? are equals. Like yeah. to me, yeah. we are fucking equals. Yeah. That's fucking it. Yeah, just just in conversations and days going by. Um, I can't believe you got to meet so and so or you know, they have a great music career or they're a, they're a great fighter or you know, they do this, whatever the case man they're just people you know they're flesh and blood um it's not that they're on a higher plane they just they do have this really interesting thing going on right now but i mean they're they're just as human as i am yep so i just try to be fair and uh treat everybody the same uh like we're just hanging out here on the porch or wherever yeah well a lot of them don't want to be treated that way and that's what like fries my fucking bacon, man. A lot of those fucking people want to be treated like celebrities. Some kind, yeah. And it's like, fuck you, dude. I, have, I no. haven't come across them yet because we're sitting here swapping the whiskey bottle back and forth, <laughs> right? Right. Welcome to Mississippi. We got no snobs here, man. We're just <laughs> which one? <laughs> no, we're just human beings, man. Yeah. And and like. Those folks that are super ambitious, like, you do you, man. I don't want any fucking part of that. I want want to be sitting here on a floor with you (laughs) drinking whiskey. Yes. (laughs) That's what I want. Like, dude, like, human to human fucking shit, man. Hey, that's going to do it. It's been another episode of Porch Talk with Sarah. Thank you so much for sitting down with me uh, for an episode. Jamie, thank you so much for hosting Sarah Shook and the Disarmers. And guys, if you ever get a chance, go see them. I see that they're going to be doing some South by Southwest. And uh, they have the touring dates for the rest of the events down the road, the festivals and all that. I've seen it on the Instagram. It's probably on Facebook, too. Um, good old Google probably knows as well. And so get on Spotify or whatever you do and uh, just add it to a playlist. Check, uh, check our music out. Hey, also... Hey, Sarah brought up a lot of things that I hadn't really put a whole lot of thought into, and so there was probably about maybe 10 or 15 more minutes I could have added 
but I, it was like a knee jerk or a gut reaction. I didn't have anything to really add or subtract. And so I decided to take a little time to weigh it and uh, just put a pin in it for now. And so, Sarah, if you ever want to come back on, you're more than welcome. All right, two plugs. Levi does phone lines, and I also had him on the, late, the episode before this, Beverly, my old friend. And so it's it's good to be collaborating with him. Phone lines and porch talk are going to be working together for a time, and it's good to be able to borrow each other's faith in that regard and to uh, believe in what the other's doing. And so that, that definitely uh, it helps um, to keep doing stuff like this. And you have the sound, but I wanted to be able to give color, and so Levi does video. And so our first little video will come out soon. It's called The Fight. And that's all I'll say. So you'll see it on his media and you'll see it on my media as well. Well, we're going to go ahead and bring this thing on home. My friend Bo Jeffries is going to play us some music. And so I'm going to go ahead and get on out of the way. So, Bo, take us there, brother. The rail.
distance that it lends to walk across the rail to the bridges that it lends falling off the rail is your lost tail think I can hear the train coming around again Yes, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's a good song. Yes, it is.